Hello again, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the WTOC Sports Podcast. It is November 2nd. Jake Wally, Lindsey Goff coming to you on this Monday morning as we record. And um, Lindsey, I was saying all week going into last Friday night that it was the best Friday night of the season so far. And I think it lived up to it. Thankfully, for my sake, it did. And I think for high school football fans around this area, it did. We had a number of Really good games all across the Coastal Empire and Low Country. A bunch of high-stakes games as we get into the final month of the regular season. Our game of the week, Lindsay, was Savannah Christian and Calvary Day, the rivalry between the two Savannah private schools. And uh, it's it, those two, when they play, it usually is a tremendous game full of excitement and intensity and, and physicality. And this one was no different. Savannah Christian beats the Cavaliers 21-14 in a thriller. Spencer Robichaux to Jaden Hester with a minute 15 left on a touchdown pass to give SC their fourth straight win over rival Calvary. Lindsey, I came away impressed with both teams. Calvary's played a a tough schedule all year, and so the record is what it is. But um, they were right there neck and neck with a Savannah Christian team that many have in the top ten all season long. Yeah, I think going into it, we kind of thought Savannah Christian might win just based on the rankings and their record and all that good stuff. But the fact that Calvary Day was able to keep it within a score, um, I think says something about their team and something about this rivalry and that it kind of brings out the best in both teams, regardless of how the rest of the season has gone to that point. Uh, It's one you circle on your calendar and you always want to win. Absolutely. And Calvary's got plenty of talent. There's no, there's no disputing that. Um, and they led this game for a large portion of it. And then eventually uh, Christian takes the lead, like we said, with about 75 seconds to play. And they win 21-14. So Savannah Christian goes to Aquinas uh, next week in a game that we thought might determine the region champion. And things have changed in that uh, regard, we'll talk about that in a minute, and then Calvary Day host uh, Savannah Country Day, and now a region that is very much up for grabs. And uh, like I said, we'll be talking about that in just a few more minutes. Speaking of region races, two of our area's top teams took control of their region races Friday night. Richmond Hill, now the sole leader in Region Two Six A. They take down Brunswick 42-27 at home Friday night. The Wildcats outscoring the Pirates 21-6 in the second half. Um, they did it their way. Ashad Roberson, another 100-yard game. And this Richmond Hill team goes to Glen Academy Friday. Um, if they win that one, they, they win the region title. The Wildcats now eight straight victories in region play. And... A 15-point win over a pretty game Brunswick team is a is a good message sent to the rest of the region and the rest of the state by the Wildcats, I thought. Yeah, Richmond Hill doing what they do, put Roberson behind that offensive line, and it tends to work out pretty well for them. And Brunswick's a good team, so for Richmond Hill to come out and dominate them in the fashion that they did, especially in the second half, uh, kind of puts the rest of the region on notice, I think. Richmond Hill's trying to let people know, hey – there's no decline between last year and this year. We're still going to be a factor. Yeah, uh, they went when they went to the state semifinals last year. A lot of people looked at it as somewhat of a surprise. This is a team that that people have thought was kind of on the come up, but didn't think a Final Four was in the 
in the cards just yet. And speaking with Matt Lazan and these, this Wildcat team all year, they've kind of wanted to prove that last year was no fluke, and they seem to be doing it. Uh, this Richmond Hill team is very good. We talk about Roberson and, and the running game and the offensive line, but let's give a little credit to Tyler Coleman and the wide receivers. Richmond Hill doesn't throw the ball a ton, but they're very efficient when they do so. And that's just another element to that offense that continues to roll along so far in region play. Another team that is taking control of their region, the number one Metter Tigers, they lead region to a public now after a 27-7 win over McIntosh County Academy Friday night in Darien. It's the first touchdown allowed in October at all for the Tigers, uh, but Metter made up for it. And then some defensively, two pick sixes for the Metter defense in the 20-point win over MCA. And so this Metter team now in sole possession of the region lead, and they've got three games left in their regular season. Bryan County, Claxton, both at home the next two weeks. And then they travel to ECI the final week of the regular season. All three of those games, Met are going to be uh, favored in, especially a few of them. They'll be big-time favorites in th these next two weeks. Um, but the Tigers certainly looking like they're going to go into the state playoffs as the number one team in Class A public and as undefeated region champs, unless something squirrely happens in the next few weeks. Uh, but this team is tremendous they kind of just boa constrictor you to death and uh, kind of did that to the Buccaneers Friday night in Darien. It says a lot when your defense can also be your offense. That's always helpful. <laughs> uh, they, they perform on both sides of the ball. They're really a balanced team. And I think that that helps them so much. Um, I saw them, I think, the first game of the season, and you said the boa constrictor. Yeah, it's just consistent, hard-nosed football, and it's working for them. I, I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but I, I'd like to see just how many defensive touchdowns this team has this year because there have been a number of them, adding two more Friday night over MCA. Uh, the result, I think, of the evening was over on the south side of Savannah as Country Day pulls off an upset taking down number seven undefeated Aquinas, 29-28. The Hornets with a touchdown and a two-point conversion with less than a minute to play to take a one-point victory over the formerly undefeated Fighting Irish. We talked about, when we were talking about Savannah Christian and Calvary Day, how the, the Christian win kind of kept maybe some of the status quo of what we thought this region was going to be. This Country Day win really turns this Region 3A private race on its head. We thought Savannah Christian at Aquinas this week was probably going to determine the region championship. Now, with Country Day pulling this upset, Aquinas really has to win Friday over Christian to even have a chance. And with four teams in this region – a three-week region season, every game is so, so critical. Now you're looking at the race and you go, man, this thing is kind of wide open. Christian obviously in, in advantage and so is Country Day at 1-0, but Christian going to be the favorite to, to pull this thing out now. But Friday night's game in Augusta as, as the Raiders travel to Aquinas is going to be absolutely huge uh, to see what happens with this region 3A private race. 
as will Country Day at Calvary Friday night in Midtown Savannah. And for more on this Country Day upset victory and his Hornets moving forward, turn now to a conversation I had earlier this morning with Country Day head coach Jim Collis. Savannah Country Day head coach Jim Collis joining us on the podcast. Now his Hornets, one of the winners of the week, I would say a result that coach probably shocked a lot of people across Georgia. 29-28 over previously undefeated and top 10 ranked Aquinas. You guys were trailing late. You score a touchdown, a two-point conversion with less than a minute to go to pull off the win. How are your guys feeling, I guess, going into Friday? And what was the celebration like afterwards? Well, you know, I, I think the preparation that we had the week of was was outstanding. We had we had great practices on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, our kids were really locked in. I, th- I think the motivation was it was our first region game. Um, you know, they, they saw a team that was undefeated, and, and here's an opportunity to prove to everybody else that, that we're a good football team. And, and uh, so they, they went out and played very spirited and, and uh made the most of opportunities when they presented themselves, you know, and, and, and never gave up. You know, they they showed great fortitude um, throughout the entire game, especially when we were down by by uh, two touchdowns. It was 28-14, to 14, I believe it was about five minutes ago in the game, and and, and showed a will to, uh, to continue to play, you know, and we talked about, you know, scoring when it was down 28-14 to 14 with, with – um, uh, getting back with in a touchdown and then kicking an onside kick and we did that we didn't recover it but then we drove I think it was 91 yards or, or maybe 89 yards uh, for the last score to, to tie it up so uh, great fortitude by those guys we, we've, we've faced some adversity throughout the year with COVID and, and some other things and, and uh, credit to our guys man they, they, they continued to play hard really proud of how hard they, they played throughout the entire game didn't didn't look up once you know didn't look at the score Scoreboard continued to play. We had talked about that earlier in the week, and, and uh, so credit to those guys, man. They they really uh, they stepped up and, and uh, surprisingly found a way to win a game uh, against a very good football team. Tell me about the, the choice to go for two there at the end. Um, you could have kicked and, and gone to overtime, but you go to play for the win in a crucial region game like that. Tell me about the decision to make that call and for your guys to execute it. Well. <laughs> interesting because we you know I always have a tendency to ask kids what they want to do and they wanted to go for the win and uh, little to, did I know that we already had our PAT team out there our extra point team and our center for our PAT team is not our center who we run our regular offense with so he was down already uh, and, and had his hands on the ball and had enough sense about him to know that if he picked his hands up off the ball that we'd be getting a penalty we didn't have any timeouts left so we couldn't use a, utilize a timeout uh, ended up snapping the ball early um, and it, it rolled through Barry's legs and, and they're over his over we went to his side, I believe, and went back to about the 30. Barry had the the, uh, the sense to him to go get the ball, pick it up on the 30, and and, uh, and find Alex Wynn in, in the end zone to, to convert it. So it wasn't it wasn't drawn up that way. It was uh, <laughs> it was it was a, it was a luck of the draw, you know. And, and fortunately, you know, you got a Barry Klein Peter who who uh, who's a, one of the fiercest competitors that I've ever been around. Uh, found a way to win us a football game that uh, when when the play wasn't drawn uh, up the way it was supposed to be, still found a way to. to find us a, a, a win and, and, a, and a great win at that against an undefeated team. 
fierce competitor, Klein Peter, injured on the final play of the first half, battled a shoulder injury through the second half and still helping lead the Hornets to a victory. Coach, this region with, with only four teams, three region games, you, you basically have to win every one of them to feel comfortable. What did that win for you guys mean? You are the defending region champs amongst three of the teams in, in your four-team region. What did it mean for your confidence, your kids' confidence moving forward is two weeks left to play and y'all are right there tied for the region lead? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's there's been some doubt. We graduated some, some really good kids and some big kids up front offensively and defensively. So there's always been that, that error of, of uh, you know, questioning whether we were good enough. And I think, you know, it kind of showed to our team uh, individually and collectively that we can come out and play with anybody. And uh, it, it was nice. I, I think the kids looked at it. They, they wanted to send a message out to everybody that, you know, we're still a good football team. And, and like I said, you know, it's, it was our first region game, so to, to walk away with with a with a region W is, is it means a lot to our kids, and and now it puts us in position to to take care of business, you know, and, and try to go back and repeat uh, a region crown is, is something that is, is one of our goals, and uh, it puts us in a great position against a, a really talented and, and uh, a physical Calvary team this week. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough go, but you know our, our kids um, the fortitude that they showed. Uh, on Friday night and all season long actually uh, really shined through and, and credit to them that uh, that, that we're right there and, and now all we got to do is from a mental standpoint you know when you have an emotional victory uh, emotional game like we did on Friday the, the toughest thing for a coach is to be able to get your kids to turn the page and, and be prepared from a mental standpoint but I have confidence in these guys that you know we had a great week of practice as I mentioned I'm hoping that we can continue to have another great week of practice and be prepared against a, a really talented and, and, and good football team in Calvary. Go to Calvary this Friday, Savannah Christian the Friday after that. Your first year in Savannah was last year. What did you learn kind of about this country day, Calvary, Savannah Christian rivalry dynamic that maybe you didn't know coming in to take this job? Well, I think, you know, as you look at it, I think all the kids know one another. You know, it's a, it's a small town, Savannah, and, and, and uh, all the kids know who each other is, and, and they, they have friendships outside of the, the football field. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint alone, I think it, it, it projects a rivalry just because kids want to be competitive with with each other and, and play against each other so it makes it really interesting and, and it's great that it's the last two games of the season for us I, you know it's, it's a perfect way for us to end up the season and having Calvary and then we were open for a week and then we play Savannah Christian the following week I believe it's the 20th so um, but from that standpoint yeah it, it's, it's kind of neat here in Savannah being in a small town and, and the kids know one another and, and it's great that they go out and, and, and uh, the last two games of the season against your your, your nemesis so it's it's uh, we're looking forward to it. I know our kids are, are excited to play in both of those games. Coach Jim Collins, Savannah Country Days head coach. Winners over Aquinas Friday night in thrilling fashion. Now tied for the region lead with two games to play. Coach, appreciate the time. Good luck Friday at Calvary. We'll be following that one and the Hornets the rest of the season. Coach, appreciate the time. I want to thank Savannah Country Day head coach Jim Collis for his time, his Hornets knockoff Aquinas 29-28 Friday night. They'll travel to Calvary in a key Region 3A private contest this Friday night. Lindsay, two of the uh, 
Favorites in the Skiza State title race from our area, Hilton Head Christian and Thomas Hayward wrapped up their regular seasons Friday night with, with blowout victories. The Eagles of Hilton Head Christian, 49-0 shutout victors over rival Hilton Head Prep. The Eagles now 9-0. They'll host Spartanburg Christian in the first round on Friday. And then Thomas Hayward, 40-13 winners over Greenwood Christian. It's the ninth straight win for the Rebels, who are now 9-1. They'll host Christian Academy in the first round of the Skiza State playoffs on Friday. And so as we go into the Skiza State playoffs, these two teams are among the favorites for state championships in their respective classes and um, no letdowns Friday night in, in big victories for both. Yeah, they did what they needed to do. They took care of business. It was efficient and they're ready to move on to the playoffs. Uh, Thomas Hayward obviously looking for another trip back to that state championship, uh, trying to go back-to-back. And Hilton Head Christian, uh, more of the same, just a dominant performance over Hilton Head Prep. It was nothing flashy, but it was efficient. They came out, did what they do, and put points up on the board. Yeah, so eight teams in each class of the Skiza State playoffs will have a state champion by the end of the month. And uh, for both of those teams, Hillenhead Christian and Thomas Hayward, not only hoping to be there in the final week, but really expecting to be there in the final matchup of the season. So, Lindsay, as good as this Friday was, or last Friday was, I guess we should say now, this Friday has a chance to be even better, really. We've got a matchup of two undefeated Chatham County schools and islands in New Hampstead, Friday night in Pooler. We got rivals Toombs County, Vidalia going at it at Buck Cravey Field. That Region 2 AA race, as expected, is absolutely wild. Going to come down uh, to the last week of the year again, most likely. Not just for the region champ, but just for all four playoff spots in general. We mentioned those, those Region 3A private games, Savannah Christian at Aquinas, Country Day at Calvary Day. Going to have potentially a lot more knowledge of what that race is going to look like, or it could completely be turned on its head, depending on the results. Friday, Buford traveling to Benedictine. That should be an interesting interstate battle. And then Richmond Hill going to Glen Academy. The Wildcats looking to wrap up uh, region championship down in Brunswick. So be sure to tune into the end zone uh, edition of this WTOC sports podcast on Thursday this week. We'll break down some of those games and, and talk to some of the coaches that'll be involved in it. Uh, really looking forward to this Friday, especially after as good as last Friday was. Now, as as good as last Friday was, Lindsay, I feel like college football Saturday was a bit of a letdown. Maybe it's a good thing it happened on Halloween. We were kind of distracted by trick-or-treating and all the spooky season stuff, but um, I came away from the, the college football action Saturday a little underwhelmed. I don't know about you, but to me, it started at noon Saturday in just a sluggish, ugly 14 to three victory for Georgia over Kentucky um, that just never seemed to get out of second gear. Yeah. You want to talk about ugly, try watching it as a Kentucky fan, but um yeah, kind of a boring game, I hate to say. Um, Georgia able to be pretty efficient running the ball, though. 215 rushing yards. Um, you know, Stetson Bennett was picked off twice by the Kentucky defense when they did throw the ball. But 
it worked. They got they got the win. The defense kept Kentucky out of the end zone. So a win is a win, I guess. Yeah, it is a win, but it was certainly not the offensive showing Georgia fans were hoping to see uh, coming off the bye week and with the Florida game coming up this Saturday. I think dog fans were, were hoping to see a little better of a showing, a little bit more explosiveness. Georgia goes on that first drive and, and really set the tone, Lindsey. 12 plays, 86 yards, all of them running plays. Stetson Bennett takes it into the end zone and, and made it dog 7 nothing early on. And it was very clear that Georgia wanted to run the ball and was able to run the ball, 215 rushing yards, a career-high day for Zamir White. But in the passing game, it was just not there. Obviously, no George Pickens on Saturday. That probably has an effect. Um, but it was not the kind of performance that Georgia fans were hoping for. And I'm sure the Georgia offense did obviously wanted to put a little better product on the field as well. Um, but with this game coming up Saturday against Florida in Jacksonville, probably a little more worry about the Georgia offense than their fans were hoping for going into this absolutely critical SEC East showdown. One good thing Georgia was able to do, they came out and scored on that opening drive in both halves. Uh, Kirby Smart talked about that in his post-game press conference and that sometimes they can get off to a slow or sluggish start. And they didn't do that uh, on Saturday. So that's a good sign for that Georgia offense. But, yeah, probably not the performance that you wanted to see heading into that Georgia-Florida game. Um, but Florida kind of a wild card, too. They had to take so much time off because of the COVID outbreak within their program. So it, you don't really know what to expect heading into Saturday, I don't think. Well, we do know one thing about the Georgia defense. Uh, the depth that the dogs have been, that we have boasted about this Georgia defense all year, is going to be tested as uh, this, this Georgia defense got beat up. Um, Saturday against Kentucky. Uh, the big news that, that came out of Saturday and Sunday, and obviously not nearly as important as what it means for the Georgia football team, but Riceboro native, former Liberty County Panther, Richard LeCount involved in a traffic accident on Saturday. Many reports say uh, LeCount was on a motorcycle. Um, that was um, I actually got the police report this morning. He was on a dirt bike. Got it. And so um, in an accident involving a, a dirt bike and some cars, uh, Dr. Ron Corson, the, the sports medicine uh, director at, at, for the Georgia football team, putting out a statement on Sunday that the injuries are non-life-threatening and LeCount is expected to make a full recovery. That's the good news. That's the, the part of this that really matters. But as a, as a sports podcast, we have to analyze the other side of it. And you have to figure – uh, LeCount will be out a few weeks, including uh, this Saturday against Florida. And it sounds like he will not be the only one. 24-7 sports reporting today, starting defensive lineman Jordan, Dav Jordan Davis and Julian Rochester will also be out for the dogs against Florida. And then there are another a, a couple other injuries on that defensive uh, unit. Quay Walker, Lewis Seen, and Tyreek Stevenson also all left uh, the game against Kentucky. Expect to get at least a few health updates from Kirby Smart today, his press conference coming up at noon. 
Um, he will probably keep it as close to the vest as possible. Um, but this is a Georgia defense that has had some injuries kind of lingering this year. Monty Rice, kind of the, the guy that you think of first. But sounds like Georgia will be shorthanded defensively Saturday against a very good Florida offensive attack. Yeah, um, both Richard LeCount and head coach Kirby Smart hit on that in the postgame press conferences. And they both kind of said, you know, this is why you have 80-something scholarships. It's got to be the next man up. Um, and whether these are young players, whatever, you've got to be ready in the SEC every week. And this is why, you know, they train and work as hard as they do. So that they acknowledge that we're probably going to see some different faces out there just with the defense being banged up and um, rotating people in and out and that sort of thing. So it, it'll be interesting. Uh, the defense is certainly as talented as they are. They're stretched thin right now. It'll be something to watch. Like we said, we'll hear from Kirby um, today and expect a ton of questions about uh, the defense, defensive depth and health updates. Not sure exactly how much he's going to give, um, but it's something we're going to be watching certainly all week leading up to Saturday in Jacksonville. As for the next man up philosophy, we talk about that a lot. It was on display Saturday in Death Valley. Clemson rallying past Boston College 34-28 without Trevor Lawrence, the star quarterback, out um, because of a positive COVID test. We now know he'll also be out Saturday at number four at Notre Dame as well. Lindsay, we said that this was a game that, you know, Clemson should win even without Lawrence. And for a little while there, it uh, it looked hairy. And this one, Clemson makes a stop at the end to, to end it. And, and the Tigers outscored BC 21-0 in the second half to get the victory. But they were down and on the ropes in the second half to a pretty talented, well-coached Boston College team. Yeah, Dabo Sweeney in the post-game press conference talked a lot about how the team came out in the second half and really played inspired and came together as a team. It's not something Clemson has to do often. They typically have a lead at the half and don't have to rally back. But he said, you know, this kind of shows the fight and the character of this team that even though they got down, they came, they put their heads down and came out of the locker room and really dominated Travis Etienne with 224 yards, two touchdowns in the win. He also broke two college football records. He scored touchdowns in, I believe, 42 games and set an ACC rushing record also. Uh, certainly helped them in their performance, I think. But um, they held it down until Trevor gets back, it looks like. Well, and remember, this Clemson team is also not just down Lawrence, but they're also down their, their defensive leader in linebacker James Skalski. He's got a groin injury that's keeping him yeah. out. A few weeks and so he was not out there as well on Saturday um, the second half it was a tale of two halves really for for Clemson um, they came out like you said with a little bit of fire and a lot of fight in that second half um, of note DJ Uyangalale 342 yards passing two touchdowns um, in Trevor Lawrence's stead Saturday and now the Tigers go to Notre Dame still undefeated um, a win would be huge for Clemson, but I think it, it should be noted that if they lose, it's certainly not a, a, a you know a death sentence in terms of their college football playoffs hopes. Um, with the ACC's two top teams getting into 
uh, the ACC title game this year, the no divisions. Uh, you have to figure even a one-loss Clemson team would still be in the mix. And if they lose without Trevor Lawrence and then maybe get it back uh, against Notre Dame or whoever in the ACC title game with Lawrence, you still have to figure a one-loss ACC champ Clemson team would be getting into the college football playoff. But I was, I was impressed with the way Clemson battled back um, in a game like that at home and an early start, things not going your way at all in the first half. And then it, it kind of felt like Clemson just stayed the course, stayed what they were doing, knew that they were uber talented, even without Lawrence and Skalski, and relied on playmakers like Travis Etienne and the rest of the Tiger offense, and, and they get a victory, 34-28, stay undefeated, and now go to Notre Dame for a major, major clash uh, next Saturday in South Bend. Yeah, ETN putting Heisman voters on notice on Saturday, I think. And, um, of course, Notre Dame coming off a pretty easy victory against Georgia Tech heading into this matchup. Yeah, so that one will be fun, and we'll – continue to you know follow this this game and, and get ready for this game all week on uh, WTOC we do know Lawrence will be out Saturday at Notre Dame so Lindsay I'm really looking forward to Friday night I'm really looking forward to this Saturday as well we got Georgia Florida Clemson Notre Dame Georgia Southern's at home they'll be taking on Troy on homecoming so a fun weekend of football all around and uh, looking forward to talking with you more about it later this week on an end zone version of the WTOC Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for downloading. Lindsay and I will be back to talk to you later this week.